0: Hello out there ladies, it's Rochelle with another episode of Unabashed You where we as women get to talk about stuff. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. It doesn't seem to matter who the guest is. I am moved by each woman. Ellie, our guest today, is no exception. Her take on the concept and reality of failure will change how you view your own missteps. I know it has for me. She could be my daughter, and yet she taught me how to shift my thinking during our conversation. See if her outlook helps to shape yours too. Ellie is a young woman I treasure. I've known her for several years now. We met when she was a teaching artist sharing her love of performing arts with kids at the organization where we both worked. She's multi-talented as a performer, actress, mime, and clown, which we're going to hear more about today. I do want to add on the personal side that she is one of the sweetest, gentlest, kindest people I've ever known. Welcome, Ellie. (laughs) day. <laughs> was so sweet. Yeah, well, it's, all, it's, you know, it's, it's all true. And then some, yeah, I really wanted to touch on your work as a performer because, and then we'll get more into that, but you're, you're not, you're actually a professional performer. I mean, you, it's, it's more than just a hobby. It's, it's, you know, part of who you are and what you do. So we'll get more into that. Let's start with getting to know you a little bit. So our audience can, can, get to know you. Three words you would use to describe yourself.
1: Ooh, I would have to say uh, honest, hardworking, and perceptive.
0: Ooh, honest, hardworking, and perceptive. Mm, I like those. Honest, hardworking, and perceptive. Yes, I can see all of those in you. Definitely. Okay. I I love that. Ellie, one of your favorite books of all time. It just like maybe from when you were a kid or maybe more recently, just something that you're like, oh my gosh, this book.
1: Oh, Little Women All the Way. (laughs) Little Women, Team Beth, Team Joe. Such a good book. I remember the first time I read it and I was like, this is the family I would want to create for everyone, with all of the supportive sisters, and I really resonated with Beth and how she always put other people before herself. I thought that was always so beautiful, and just everyone's relationships. I felt like I learned a lot um, every time I read it. So.
0: so you've read it multiple times then also? Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have a favorite movie version? I think there's at least three. A very old one, one with Susan Sarandon, and then one with Laura Dern, as I'm thinking of the moms.
1: You know, I've never seen any of the movies, actually. Um, Which, I mean, I would totally be down for it. I think I just have such a specific, you know, growing up with the way that they all look in my head, and it's so pure and simple. Um, And I think I like it just the way that is. But uh, I did see the commercial for the most recent one and I think I would watch that. It looked really good. So Well
0: and I, I really admire and sort of honor the fact that you you have it set in your head, you know, the, the characters and you you don't really want anyone to change that for you. I get that. Mm-hmm. That makes that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Because you see everybody a certain way, you know? And when someone puts that for you then you lose some of what you see in them personally um and so i really like of course for instance i love the harry potter movies and the books they're both wonderful but with something so personal as little women i i imagine them all a certain way the way that they act and the way that they sound and the way their presence and i really like the idea that nobody's putting them in boxes for me, but they're exactly how I I perceive them to be nothing less than that.
0: Right. And you have a very different attachment to little women than you do to Harry Potter. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. So you don't mind reading the books and watching the movies. It's kind of like a very different thing. Little women is is like personal. It's personal to you, your attachment, your connection to it. A very whimsical question. Who would you want to be stranded on a desert island with? Could be, you know, living, not living. You know them, you don't know them. Just like it's, you know, you and this person. And obviously you're going to spend some time with them. So who would that be?
1: Hmm. I think my first, like, quick answer, uh, I thought of Ernst from Since Family Robinson (laughs) <laughs> just because he knew how to do everything. But, but upon further examination, uh, since he's, like, a character, I would love to be on a desert island with Anne Lister. She's, like, a a historical person from the 1800s, and she was, like, a go-getter. She owned her own land. She dug- sunk her own mine pits, coal mine pits, and she was just, like, from what I understand, we... People uh, discovered her diaries. She's just rad. Like, she seems like such a cool person and very able. So we could build a cool treehouse and That's do all cool. of the fun things that you would, what I think of Swiss Family Robinson, you know, some right. sort of stuff on a different island story. We could make now, all the
0: cool things. I'm fascinated. How did you find out about this historical figure? Because I don't think that I've heard of her, or if I have, it's so far back in the recesses that I can't. You know, I get the do not access signal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually watched, there's a TV show called Gentleman Jack, and it was about, it It goes through her diaries and all of that. Um, I resonate with her a lot because she is uh, gay. Okay. And it's cool to um, see someone in the, you know, year, like hundreds of years back who was able to embrace herself and just, like, when I say go get her, I mean, like, she collected the rent from her tenants, and she wouldn't let anybody push her around, and I just think it was so admirable that she stuck to who she was, even though, like, where the time that she was living wasn't really, really down for what she was, who she was trying to be, you know?
0: Right. So Wow. Well, I didn't know that about her either, since I can't remember her in the first place. And what a different kind of experience being in the 1800s and being gay than being gay today. Yeah. Right? My goodness. Yeah. All right. Ellie, two truths and a lie. So, <laughs> you know, I get to guess the lie. They can be simple. You don't have to make them complicated, but you can. It's all good
1: okay uh i traveled outside of the country for the first time on a broken leg by myself i got bit by a shark and i am obsessed with board games
0: Okay, outside of the country, for the first time by yourself with a broken leg, okay. Second one was you were bitten by a shark. Third one, board games. Okay, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say, don't don't comment yet, but board games is true. Okay, so now I'm down to the shark and the traveling outside of, of uh, okay. I'm going to go with the traveling outside uh, for the first time with a broken leg as the lie.
1: No, that's true. Oh,
0: (laughs) well, you know, shark, I thought, you know, you and Sean snorkel and stuff. So I thought, you know, you maybe ran into a little leopard shark and I know they're supposed to be very tame, but maybe it just kind of grazed you or whatever. Okay. Never bitten by a shark. Okay. So of course now we have to hear about how and why, and how you were able to navigate traveling outside of the country by yourself with a broken leg. And first of all, how old are you in this scenario?
1: I am 22. Uh, it was the first time I was out of the country also. So what right. had happened... You were I
0: 22 don't... at the time? You were 22 at the time? Okay, okay. So that's true. Okay, that's pretty young. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I had broken my ankle doing tramp wall, which is a type of circus exercise. So much fun. I was just being a little silly and wasn't really, uh, taking into the account the amount of danger that I was putting myself in by only sort of doing the trick instead of like full force, you know, committing, committing. Thank you. (laughs) So I broke my ankle, which was great. Um, and I was going to a clowning workshop in Italy for a month, and I've been looking forward to it for like an entire year. Mm. I paid for it. It was like the it was the dream, you know. And at first, I was kind of nervous because what can you do with a broken leg and all of all of that stuff? And my mom was really nervous for me. She offered to fly all the way out with me, but oh. I know it was so sweet of her, but. Ultimately I kind of I just decided that all of the pain would be worth it. It was really hard um at the last second they changed the playing things and so I had a 15 hour layover in New York in JFK, yes. <laughs> and I couldn't go anywhere because I had my crutches and oh. all that stuff so I sat at a bar table and watched all three World Cup women's soccer games, which was great. Oh. Uh, So I feel like I can travel. I I feel like I can do anything after that experience. It was really um, And my ankle was so swollen and all of that. Because I had only broken it like a week or two before I left. And they really considered having me get surgery. But at the last moment, they were like, "Ah, she's young enough. She'll be okay.
0: So, I 15-hour layover. I haven't even gotten past that 15-hour layover. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. And I told myself I would not watch any of my movies or TV shows from Netflix or, or anything like that so that I would have entertainment on the long plane rides. So, I did a lot of reading and watching people and watching the World Cup. It was Again,
0: I feel like I can do anything
1: after that. <laughs> wow. Okay, and I know you like board
0: games because I'm sure you and Sean and lots of other friends that you have enjoy and love playing board games. So I, I knew that one was true for sure. Oh yeah, my I can't think of anything
1: crazy
0: that I No, no, no. Those <laughs> are great. Those are good. It threw me. I didn't get it right. That's okay, though. Ellie, as women, I believe we struggle with worth. How do you oh. counteract some of the mixed messages we receive as women? How do you how do you deal with that? How do you get your sense of worth?
1: Well, it's always a struggle, I think. I wouldn't say that it never goes away. There are always ups and downs, but one thing that I found, first of all, not to compare myself to other people, which is so hard, especially in the <laughs> theater industry where you see all of these people getting all these opportunities and you think, oh, that's what I need or that's what I want. When in reality, nobody's path is going to be the same, which of course everyone hears that and they roll their eyes and they're like, yeah, whatever. But it's so true. My success is not is is not comparable to somebody else's. Right. And so I, I really need to... Or I try to find my worth in who I am instead of what I'm doing. Good. Uh, So that any all of my quote-unquote success or work things that I'm able to accomplish don't take away from who I am and who I want to be and what sort of a mark I want to leave in this world, you know? Mm -hmm. I have index cards up in my room that say... I'm proud of, I'm proud of you talking to myself. Um, this a Sierra Bogues quote that's, that says I am enough. I am so enough. It is unbelievable how enough I am. I love that. Isn't that. Wonderful. And just, I try to tell myself every day you are on this earth for a reason, surrounded by these people for a reason, you know, uh, you have, like, what I'm doing, either either through theater or through who I am as a person with other people, there's a purpose to it. You know, if uh, one door closes, somewhere God opens a window, that kind of a, a mindset. Right. And any sort of uh, setback, well, what I perceive to be a setback or a hindrance ends up being even better for me because it opens doors
0: for other things. Right. That you did, that you couldn't see or anticipate.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Funny how you can't control your life. Weird. (laughs) You know,
0: that's very wise for being in your early twenties, really. And that leads me to my next question, which is what is one of the wisest things anyone ever said to you? Would you say that enough quote would be it? Or is there something else that you would add? Sort of, you know, we all have these, uh, I, I hope, we all have these little wisdom nuggets that, that, you know, just have resonated with us and that we just keep handy and that we can pull them out as needed. Is there one that uh, you would like to share with us?
1: Yeah, of course, that Sierra Boggess quote is definitely I keep in my heart. The one that <clears throat> I always go by is a Winston Churchill quote. And this might be paraphrasing, or this might be exactly what he said. Uh, <laughs> I cannot remember. Um, but it says, he says that success is jumping from failure to failure with no lack of enthusiasm. Mm. Which is crazy because if you think that, you know, we as a society are told if you fail, then that's bad, you're wrong, try a different path. When really, failure is the thing that helps you get to the next level and defines who you are. And I think it should be celebrated. I think we've talked about this when you're a clown. Oh, man, that's the whole point. You know, you watch a clown come on, and the whole purpose is that they fail at what they're doing. And that's where the laughter comes from, which is really interesting. Uh, You know, there's... I remember when I went to Italy and we were in the clowning classroom and our clowning instructor, who was fantastic, Andre, love him, did not speak a word of English, except some swear words, which we love. Um, and so we had a translator, you know, and she would tell us, well, basically he put us on in the middle of the stage, and didn't tell us what we were going to do until we got there. And then as soon as we tried something, he'd say, no. And so we had to try something again. No. Up until the point where you had nothing left. So you're up on stage, vulnerable. You can't do anything about it. And so you just have to be okay with this feeling of failure. Mmm. As all of all of us did it and not only did we create this like really close knit community after that but I trusted that, that I was going to be okay and it was crazy because a lot of cool things came out of that because when you have nothing it's so much easier to create something plus the fact that when you feel like you quote unquote fail in that situation it really takes your ego away which is great, because it's hard to get better when you have something in the way telling you, I have to be this good now, you know what I mean? But if you don't have that boundary, or that feeling of I can't go backwards in order to go forwards, then you're able to create anything. Wow,
0: that is incredible. I have a couple questions based on that exercise that he, Andre walked you all through. Did he say no to everyone, no matter what they brought forth? So yeah. that, that was the point of the exercise was to kind of strip you down, so to speak, to where there was nothing left and then he could, you know, help inform you from there about it's okay to feel that and that takes us to a place of ground zero and we're all there, every single yeah. one of you are at the exact same place of being completely vulnerable and then I'm sure people have different reactions like feelings of rejection or uh, maybe even abandonment like I flew all this way and this guy keeps no, no matter what I do he keeps saying no and yeah. but but how fascinating that he he took that all away in order to kind of start over I'm just so intrigued by that as an exercise and although I'm sure in the moment it was very confusing and probably painful, it ended up reaping tremendous rewards. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah it I think one of the most interesting things I would say every person that went up there cried. <laughs> here's the thing you know I think everybody has had situations in their lives where they felt like that they felt isolated they felt like they couldn't do anything and interestingly enough a clown that's where you take everything from is the pain that you feel inside and you expose it and let people laugh at it which, when you think about that, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's
0: kind of sad in a way, and yet, yeah,
1: yes. I mean, there's that, that um, it's not a stigma, but the, the idea that people say clowns are sad, I think that's kind of where it comes from. It feels great, honestly, but it's also really hard because a lot of the comedy that we worked on stemmed from this inner pain that we had. Wow. And so starting at that level, Finding that emotion, that pain, bringing it up and exposing it in a way where people were laughing at it, Woo. it it's tough. You
0: ha- you need it's to have a strong sense of, of strong self-worth, self-worth, don't you think, yeah. to make that it's happen? not for
1: everyone, by any means, not for everyone. I have quite a few friends who have tried clowning, and they're not into it. And I totally get that. But I think if you are able to fully let go to the point where you feel like everyone else could think so lowly of you, but you know that even in your lowest point of what people would consider failure, that you, you can rest in that and be okay with that and build from that. It's incredible. It's incredible to see those, to see all these people get to their lowest point where everyone else would be like, oh, what a failure, you know, and leave them at that. And a lot of people would stay there. Unfortunately, would dig deeper into that hole. But Andre was Andre was teaching us, okay, you're gonna sit here in this failure that you're. Ta- I mean, you think of school, right? And you get A, B, C, D. I was gonna say E, F. <laughs> and so we grew up in this in this society where. A is good. A is success. F is failure, right? And if you're failing, you're bad. You're you're you need to work on yourself. Whereas with what we learned, there shouldn't be this comparing system because nobody learns from that. It's just it digs deeper into your self worth, which is you know what we talked about earlier. Okay.
0: Go okay. ahead. Finish your thought, please.
1: I'm just going to say, I think self-worth is so important because it's the self. And your worth in yourself. Not what anyone else thinks of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. you. Exactly. Because nobody can do it for you. It, it, mm-hmm. it really has to come from within. All right. Now, I want to get into more of the clowning thing. But I feel like we need to back up a little bit to talk about how you became interested in this even in the first place because you don't hear of too many young 20-somethings female wanting to get into clowning I mean it's you know I think you know I'll, I'll just reference Modern Family as a show that has kind of brought clowning back a little bit to the forefront I mean it's just not you just don't see about it and hear about it as much as you did at, at different times in past times. And maybe that's different in certain parts of Europe, like you know, you went to clowning school, a camp in Italy, and obviously mime. Didn't mime originate? Well, I, I mean the, the big the greatest mime of all time whose name right now access denied, but um Marcel, something or other.
1: I saw there
0: you go there you go French French okay so I knew I was uh, Italy and France okay so walk us through this process but when I met you you were uh, working at a local amusement park as a costume character and you were also in school and you were doing performing I did not know about this other side so tell us how that interest came
1: about yeah uh, it's quite long story, buckle in. Um, <laughs> Ellie, chapter three, uh, community college. I, to community college, my first year, second semester, I had a friend, a boyfriend, actually, which is hilarious, considering that I, am not interested in men, but that's another story. Um, but he, he, he was taking a mind class, and they needed one more person in order for it to, continue. Because you have to have a certain number of people enrolled in order for the class to happen. And I think you had to have, like, 11 or 12 people. So they needed one person. And he was like, please, can you do it? And I was like, no way. Mines are creepy. They have, like, the weird face paint. No, absolutely not. Uh, But (laughs) he somehow convinced me. And so what you can do is go in for two weeks and then drop out right before they keep the class so that the class can happen but you don't have to stay in it so I was like alright I will do these two weeks for you for your weird like you know white gloved white faced black attire the box <laughs> <Class>. <laughs> yeah. yeah and it was amazing I will never it, like it, that class changed my entire life before that I was going to be a nutritionist Uh, I played soccer on the Grossmont team and all, like that was my life was soccer and uh, exercise and all of that. And when I took this class, again, it was the same thing as the clowning, but with mine, it's so interesting because you don't have words. So everything that you create is – has to come from you Mm -hmm. and every person moves differently right so every motion that I make will be completely different from somebody else and will mean something different so again we had my teacher's name was Jerry I adore him and he would dim the lights and put on some music and we would do a lot of soul searching Uh, there was a lot of crying in that class but for different (laughs) reasons (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of crying in, in circus, let theater. me tell you. Well, in theater too, yeah. In theater, yeah. And it was crazy because I had never dug that deep into myself and my emotions before. I never let myself because it's dark and scary down there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, when he ended up leading us to that place and we sat and thought about, you know, who are we? And what are all the things that have paid us, and how do we reveal that through this movement and share it with other people? And so for my project, because we had a, a finishing project and we would do a little cabaret for people to come see, I created, most of the mind pieces were funny, right? I created a very serious one about the Holocaust, because since I'm Jewish and I have Jewish roots, and I feel very connected to that time period. And it was amazing because I felt all of these emotions that I had never felt before, and I used them in the movement, and it affected the people watching because they knew that what I was doing was coming completely from my heart. And from my soul. And I had never felt anything like that before, of watching people be so affected by something that has no sound. Mm. You know, we're so used to words. Words are the way that we convey lots of things. You think of Shakespeare and all his words, which is great, love Shakespeare. But Mm -hmm. with mime it has to come from you. It just has to. You can't duplicate it. If someone else would do the same piece, it would be completely different. Right. Plus, one of the, my favorite things that Jerry ever taught us was he said, as soon as you stop working on your piece, it dies. And I was like, well, that's dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about, I still work on some of the pieces that I created. every. I'd say every year I create like a new piece. Uh, because it takes a while to develop things in a way that people understand. But every time I do the piece, it's a little different, because I'm older, I have different experiences, and it means something different to me. And sometimes, you know, I I have this one piece that I do about bullying, and it is completely different from two or three years ago when I created it, because my experience with it is different. The Mm -hmm. ending is different. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't come from the heart. It wouldn't have the same meaning if I tried to do it in the time frame that I created it before when I had different, different mindset, different things going on. Right. So I did that class and I was like, wow, wowie. <laughs> like what, how is, how is not everyone doing this? This is crazy. Like talk about therapy. Woo. <laughs> um, I was so stoked. Uh, and Jerry invited me to come and do a, like, we, we created a piece with him and his daughter. Uh, and it was a full-length, one-and-a-half-hour one mime show. Wow. Crazy. Which, again, if I had not taken that class, I would have been like, no way, Jose. Am I going to stay in silence for an hour and a half? <laughs> um, but it was, it was so fun. And from there, I started getting interesting, interested in all sorts of movement. And he taught a little bit of Commedia dell'arte and Red Nose Clowning. Commedia dell'arte is a, an Italian mask art form. So fantastic. Please look it up. So cool. Um, and all of the characters are very stylized. They all have very specific movements. So, I saw an audition for a circus uh, show, which is where met Sean, who we've been talking about earlier, uh-huh. and it was so fun, because, well, first the auditions were awesome, we did like a silly monologue, and then they put on music, and they were just like, dance to the music, and then they changed music, and we'd do a different dance, uh, and they gave us some situations where we had to... Basically, mime it out. We could talk, but in gibberish. We cannot talk, which gibberish is so much fun. Yes, by the way, and that's another thing. People have a hard time doing it because they feel so silly. And let me tell you, if you feel silly, if you feel embarrassed, you're doing clowning way.
0: Just <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so you know, we're in. It, I got hired with, along with two other boys. Uh, there's three clowns total, and I found out that I was. The first girl they would had in a long time. Like years and years and years. And that kind of blew my mind. Because I didn't didn't realize how valuable I was. I thought that's so cool. And then my director, uh, we called him Papa Sprite. I love him. And he came up to me and he said, Ellie, your role is going to be much more challenging than these two. Because... When you when you see a guy fall, like trip and fall, it's hilarious. You're like, oh man, that silly guy. When an audience sees a woman fall, people don't laugh. They're like, oh my god, is she okay? Oh. Right, and that's so sad. But it, that's the reality. That's that's the difference between men and women in this in this profession. It's so unfortunate. But for me, I had to figure out. Okay, well, how can I be funny? and get around this gender difference. I was so frustrated with these boys who could, what they did to make people laugh was act feminine. I thought that was kind of messed up. People could laugh at men being women, but they couldn't laugh at an actual woman. And my director was like, again, he was like, you're gonna have to act strong, which is fine, I can act strong, and almost manly. He's like, you cannot act girly in any way. And it, it was hard. It was really, really hard because I'd look at these boys and they'd just, like, you know, do some feminine things, do, like, a like a hair toss or something. It was so easy for them to make people laugh because apparently men pretending to be girls is hilarious because they're <laughs> going to a lower status. You know? They're, they're being less than... They're being, quote-unquote, less than what they are, which I think is... We need to change that. And so I eventually figured out That The way to get people to laugh, in my case, was to blame it on other people. So, uh, you know, we had a stadium of 3,000 people. Sometimes we'd have more. We had standing room and all this stuff. It was a lot of people. And we would be in the crowd of all these people and mess with them and, and all that stuff. And all of these tricks and, like, the games that we would play with the audience, we couldn't really practice until we had an audience there because otherwise we're just messing with a couple acrobats in the, in the audience. You don't know how the whole world is gonna take it. So that was kind of frightening because I didn't have the easy laughter that these boys had in my back pocket. So if something went wrong, they could just revert to that and everyone would laugh. And I didn't have that. And so I, I remember the first night going out and being like, okay, do or die, you know? Uh, And there were definitely times where I would try something silent, very awkward, you know, got to sit in the silence, recognize that that happened, let the audience recognize that I recognize that that was awkward, clowning moment, Uh, and then continue. One of the best things that I started to figure out, though, was I would pull a guy up, um, and then I would make him look bad. (laughs) (laughs) and people would laugh at him because men apparently are funny so I would like do a dance with him for example and then I would do a dip really fast and he would obviously not catch me and I'd fall on the floor and I'd get super upset and like you know get all mad and gibberish and yell at him and then push him back into his seat or if I saw a bald guy I'd take his hat off and like kiss it, kiss his head or like blow on it and like like with my arm uh (laughs) But, and it was fun, and I figured out ways to do it, and it was awesome. And I, it was cool hearing some of the girls that were in the audience being like, "Oh my gosh, it's a girl!" Because of course they hadn't seen a girl in who knows how long, if ever. So even though I had so many challenges to overcome, like I am paving the road for all these other girls, and they they can they can be me. well not me, but they can be what I am and i felt so cool to be yeah to to show them what they can't be
0: sort of pioneering in a way really yeah okay so was was that your first experience with clowning yes okay so from there you're now you mentioned the tramp wall so tell us what you're doing now
1: uh, so now I am a part. I'm a clown and a mime artist for the a circus collective uh, where I live, which is fun. And I also have been learning trampol. Hopefully, I'm talking to. I I have. I've had a contract this summer, and I've been talking to the producers, so they might hire me for trampol even either this winter or next summer, which will be fun. And I've been training on trampol for two years. I got into it when I was in that previous circus show because a lot of the acrobats did tramp wall, and so they would teach me, which was really fun.
0: So explain um, to us, for those who don't know, what a tramp wall is. Of course.
1: Uh, so there is a trampoline on the floor, and the, and there is a wall. And you jump on the trampoline on your back and run up the wall horizontally. And from there, you can, like, run up to the top of the wall and drop in. Uh, You can do flips and tricks. It's really cool. Highly recommend looking it up. Um, And you feel like you're flying, which I love.
0: (laughs) All right. And let's circle back to um, some what you wanted to talk about, which is, that, and you've, you've made mention of the fact that being a female clown is, is definitely has extra steps in it versus the male, and you explained that so well, and I've never thought about it quite like that before. And then um, you wanted to talk, and you've talked some about how important failure is and trusting the hard work. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. Basically, I guess... I've sort of, I've started making my goal to fail so that I never stopped trying to look for things. And most of the time, you know, there's not a lot that always comes out of it, but when things do come out of it, it's amazing. So much more than you would ever think of because it's not something you would think of because it comes out of failure.
0: How did, what I, does that look like making yourself fail? Okay, we're talking about probably in the performance world. Are we talking about uh, doing the tramp wall,
1: clowning, mining, all of the above? I think all of the above. Definitely, I, I guess I think mostly with clowning. Okay. Just, we, we have this, Andre taught us this face, uh, uh, an oh no face, uh, I'm in trouble face. You know, where you just eyes wide and you stare at everybody in the audience and let them know that you are not doing it right. <laughs> and that's what people laugh at, right? Is when you do something wrong, you take a pause, you look at everyone, and you acknowledge that they, you see that they see that you messed up and or can't do it. Uh, and then when you do succeed, it's so exciting because the audience gets excited for you because they thought that you wouldn't be able to do it, but you did. And even, you know, just when you're by yourself trying things, if you're afraid to do something, chances are it's worth doing.
0: Ooh, gosh. That is good. (laughs) That is so good. Oh, I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. All right, Ellie, the last fun thing you did Ever? Well, the last fun thing you did. The most (laughs) most recent last... Maybe it was this morning, yesterday, the last week. The last fun thing you did.
1: Uh, I have been reading a really good book. A really good book series. I think I told you about it earlier. It's called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. And I love it so much. I love mysteries. And I also... It's like a female empowering character she she's the one that solves all the mysteries the policemen come to her because she's just like on top of it so it's a really fun reading that uh makes me feel like I can do anything reading there's something about you know seeing powerful women that make you realize that you have so much potential um and I'm one of those powerful women
0: yes I would say so
1: yeah I'm learning and growing and becoming and teaching and I'm helping the circle, the circle of women and they become better and better. And I get to be a part of that. I love that, Ellie,
0: too, because, you know, like we've made reference to you're, you're in your early 20s. You know, you have your you've gone through college and now you're pursuing these things that you've discovered you have such passion for. You didn't know, but they were put in your path in such a way that you kind of had to say yes and so now you're on a completely different trajectory than the one you anticipated and yet look at at where you are doing things you didn't even know you were going to love you love them and you obviously are on fire for the things you're doing and wanting to pave the way for future female performers and this lesson what you've taught us today about failure And how important it is going back to your time in Italy with Andre and how you have completely taken that notion of failure and turned it upside down in a way that I think we should all embrace. And I I mean, I learned from you today. And that's one of the things that I find so exciting about doing this podcast and having these conversations with women of all ages I learned something every single time that I can take directly into my life and apply right now, right now. Now, the way I look at failure is going to be very different and it will have been greatly informed by the things that you've said.
1: Awesome. Any final words? Just
0: don't be afraid to fail. Try it out. Try it out. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you, Ellie. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it so much. What an honor it was to have you as a guest. And we'll get everything all organized on my side. And it'll be released on Tuesday. And I'll be sure that you, I'll text you uh, a, a copy so that you can see it as soon as it's ready. I, I just treasure this time. Thank you for teaching me. Truly. Thank you. Thank you. Oh,
1: my God. I love you so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love you, Ellie. I love you, too. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye, dear. Okay. Bye. Truly, I learned. And I'm inspired by each guest we have. And while so far we are having guests on that I already know, I'm completely open to having an unabashed you listener that I don't already know on the show. So how about it? Action item from the listening women of Austria, Canada, France, Germany, Ireland, Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, Ukraine, Vietnam, and the good old U.S. of A. You game for being a guest? If so, give us a shout out at unabashedu at gmail.com. We'd love to have you. Each episode at unabashedu.com, that's the website, has an inspirational component. So feel free to take a read before or after you listen. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Would you mind taking a moment to rate and review us there? I don't collect any personal information and it takes about a minute. It's a great way for the podcast to be discovered and to reach more and more women who can also learn that you are enough, just as you are. And now our blessing for today. If I'm going to fall, I don't want to fall back on anything except my faith. I want to fall forward. At least I figure that way I'll see what I'm about to hit. Fall forward. Every failed experiment is one step closer to success. First, you will Fail at some point in your life. Accept it. You will lose. You will embarrass yourself. You will suck at something. There's no doubt about it. But I'm telling you, embrace it because it's inevitable. Second point about failure. If you don't fail, you're not even trying. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. So get out there. Give it everything you've got, whether it's your time, your talent, your prayers, or your treasure. So what are you going to do with what you have? And I'm not talking about how much you have. Here's the last point about failure. Sometimes it's the best way to figure out where you're going. Your life will never be a straight path. Not only to take risks, but be open to life. Accept new views and be open to new opinions. While it may be frightening, it will also be rewarding. Because the chances you take, the people you meet, the people you love, the faith that you have, that's what's going to define your life. Fall forward. I get a big amen on that. That is a speech that Denzel Washington gave. Those are excerpts from his speech. Call call called fall forward. No surprise there in the title of the commencement speech. Women, it's okay if you fail. Embrace it. Learn from it. Pick yourself up and continue on. Be unabashed. Be you.